in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news will compton is coming back to the raiders he played nine games in 2019 with the Raiders, he played for Tennessee last year in 12 games, but has not played in 2021. He tweeted yesterday that he's signing with the Raiders. <laughs> well, you said a source. The source. A source said that he was signing with the Raiders. Do you take that as bad news for Denzel Perryman, Corey Littleton, or Nick Kwiatkowski? No, I take it as bad news for the fullback. Oh, Sutton Smith. Sutton Smith. I, 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 I he's take a defensive end. Yeah. They're gonna, well, he's on defense. So, I mean, there's one, one more defensive player that could take some time from him. Man, poor Sutton Smith. No, they're going to have a Clee Furl back there, <laughs> and uh, he'll take over. Uh, the Raiders the... would be better if Clee Furl and Sutton Smith traded yes, positions. Exactly. I'm convinced they'd be better. <laughs> Furl blocking as a fullback and Sutton Smith you, rushing the passer. Ed, you you you're going today to uh, to get tested, right? Are you going to yes, are yeah, you going to going today uh, to get tested? Are you going to have the opportunity to be like uh, so? This new fullback. Uh, well. We talked to Basachi today in car, so there might it might throw out there. Do you know how good? You kind of have to gauge Basachi's mood <laughs> to if that's a legitimate question or if he you know he'll play along. Some days he will, but they're coming off a loss, so we'll have to gauge him when he comes in with his notes. Maybe gotta, that's one of his notes. Maybe, maybe it's like, by the way, I was looking at film last night, and this fullback can play defense. We might move this guy. Then it just opens well, it up. He for is all a kinds special teams guy, so he's probably like Gunner. We got ourselves a Gunner. <laughs> Jared, I know we have failed spectacularly in getting like the punter or the long snapper on. Could we get the fullback on? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get Raiders. I'll, I'll, I'll get the Raiders to email me back. We've got to do a better job of getting Cassie Soto from Raiders.com helping us out with this right? stuff. I mean, working for the She's team the, and all. Well, it also she talks to the owner on a fairly consistent, mostly about bathroom related, <laughs> like you know, sundry items, but. She, you know, like, hey, could you mention, hey, my friends do a little radio show? Yeah. Maybe you've heard on. of it. Maybe I'm on every Friday. Come on. We let her come on. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> CJ McCollum of the Trailblazers has a collapsed lung. There's no timeline for his return. Collapsed lung sounds like one of the worst possible things that yeah. like, injury-wise well, happened. For an NBA player who has to run, right? Like <laughs> that would not be good. It, it it probably wouldn't be good for any of us who walk. Yeah. Never mind an NBA player who has to get up and down the court like, at a high sounds, rate of speed. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like I, it's like pain-wise. I don't know where it would rank on the pain as far as. I think like, it's more breathing though. Right, but that's the thing. Like if you if you tear your ACL, right? Yeah. I imagine there's a ton of pain there and it's a really long recovery sure. time, but I assume you can at least lay down and be comfortable when you're recovering from an ACL tear. When you have a collapsed lung, can you ever be well, comfortable? Like, can you breathe? That's the other thing. Are you sleeping, sitting up? Because laying down and breathing would be a little more difficult, I would think, with a collapsed lung. I, I haven't had one. I don't know. I've heard of, obviously, I've heard a ton of people who've had them but haven't delved into the reporting side of me where I ask how it feels, but it can't feel good. Yeah. Like I'm j like, it just sounds like a nightmare. Like other injuries. And did you like, get this plane? 
I don't know. They, it, the story from Yahoo didn't say uh, when he suffered or how he suffered a collapsed lung. So I don't I don't know what happened. If he had an actual injury or can your lung just collapse? All you just, I, I just have a bad no lung. idea. I don't either. I have no idea either. In high school, our backup running back, basically, he had three collapsed lungs in four years. And it was every single time it, I caused one of them, apparently hitting him. Yeah. yeah, and it was just like he would just like go on the ground and just like you'd be like, is he gasping for air? Yeah, gasping for air. What I do? Oh. Somebody come help him! What, what? How many collapsed lungs until you say I'm done playing football? Uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> he did not well, play our senior year. I'm so, I know so little about this. I don't even know how you treat it. I don't either, but it sounds awful. Uh, How do you treat the it? The trainers ran out and started like massaging his chest. But again, our tr- I went to I went to a school that had rocks on our practice field, so, <laughs> so not, not trust- sure our trainers. This were- is not the trainer that Kevin Kruger wants they, you to they ask went about to the a, injury. Yeah, they went to a nine-month program and they got a piece of paper at the end of it. Next question. I'm sure. Wait, wait. Where's uh, Where's Pops? Pops always. Yeah. yeah why Pop- isn't he texting yeah, in? Pops what to normally do? texts us on, with injury. On, also related to the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons, according He's to the, one. the Athletic. Oh, wait. He's Q, the one. Q, all right. Q just texted in. He originally had a rib injury. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. Does well, that lead nice. to the collapse lung? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, because it's a pressure system. Okay. Yeah. I just, again, it just, as before we get to Damian Lillard, it just doesn't sound good. No, sounds like one. Breathing is imperative to what we do on a daily basis, <laughs> and if you can't do that, that's usually not good. It's like the, the breathing is the most exercise I got. And this guy's <laughs> playing basketball. So Sham Sharnia reported reported that Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. Um, important note there: Damian Lillard also doesn't want to leave Portland. So for him to play with Ben Simmons, most likely that would mean that would be a trade to Portland for Ben Simmons. But the question would be, if you are the 76ers, if you're Daryl Morey and you've come out and said, we're not trading Ben Simmons away unless we get back a player that can help the team win a championship right now, there's probably only one player on that Blazers team that you consider being able to help you win a championship outside of Damian Lillard, and it's C.J. McCollum. And even then, he's got to collapse long. He's got to collapse long. I don't know how much McCollum helps you. I mean, he helps you more than Ben Simmons not playing. What, when does the 76ers leverage run out to where, like you said, the Blazers wanted to send a first round pick to where like, eh, okay, it's just not going to work here. I mean, I mean when, and I don't look, I mean, they haven't had, they leverage, haven't had leverage is an in arguable time. Le, I was going to say le, leverage is an arguable thing because nobody seems other than Damian Lillard wants to play <laughs> with this guy. So I, you're right. I don't even know what the percentage of leverage is left, but I mean, it, it's been such a nightmare. They're offering a first-round pick. I might take it. Yeah. So the according to the Athletic, the uh, Sixers wanted multiple first-round picks plus CJ McCollum. Probably two, three months ago they wanted that. Yeah. The Blazers were apparently willing to do McCollum in one first-round pick, but nothing more. Um, ben Simmons though is under contract not just this year, but three more years after this with the Philadelphia 76ers. So the idea, like the idea of leverage is a strange one in this scenario because you would assume the guy not playing. 
Yeah. He's, he's You're not going to play him. They, they don't want to play with him. The organization him. has basically trashed Ben Simmons in terms of how good he is. Granted, he's done that himself by not shooting, but the organization hasn't exactly helped his value. They have they don't have leverage, but Daryl Morey apparently is refusing to trade from a position of low leverage. Like He's like, no, I'm not giving you Ben Simmons for nothing. Right. Like you're giving me CJ McCollum and multiple first round picks. So it's it's a fascinating situation. I I don't know. I feel like if you're the 76ers, McCollum in a first, you you should probably do that if that offer is still on the table. Well, I guess he's got a collapse lung, but still, you Karen, should probably do it. Were you just looking up on your computer? I saw a lung. Is that a collapsed lung? No, I was I was looking up a, a weird thing that had to do with. So they shove up like a stent oh in boy. you, and then they open it, and it like will reinflate you. It reinflates the lung. Okay. Yes, because right. everything's basically your body's under pressure. It's sort of like why divers, when they go down, will have uh, what is it the the like cramps and everything. Right. So like they like shove a stent and you they flip it open okay. and it sh- like shoots air and. Okay, so it's getting worse and worse. I'm assuming your high school trainers weren't able to do that. No, they took up a they picked up a stick. I got hit by a car and they put. They literally put at football practice. Uh, well, we had to walk to the field with the rocks in it. We were in the middle of a like we were in the middle of like downtown, but they literally like put icy hot on on a burn. Like I got road rash and they put icy hot on it, which is apparently not what you're supposed to do. Wow. How the hell did you get I hit had... by a car? Oh, no, that was kind of a yearly occurrence. At least one football player would be hit by a car <laughs> walking to practice. Do you guys not look both ways? No, like it's in the middle of downtown and we're walking with cleats from our high school half a mile to our... uh... That's how you get to practice? I feel like the middle of downtown is the safest place to walk. No, everybody roll... You just roll... People would roll through lights and roll through stop signs. So you would be walking with cleats. You'd hit some sort of like weird piece of concrete that would be loose. And so you'd sort of lean out into traffic. That you'd get hit. Is that how the guy got a collapsed lung? <laughs> On a side note, I have heard about pumping the lung up. Yeah? Inflating it. I, I didn't know it was a stent. I didn't want to know it was a stent, but Does apparently... Does it stay there's... inflated? Well, you have to, like, relieve the pressure. If I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, which... What if you... Let's, over... let's put... You know, let's take that with a big grain of salt. What if you overinflate? One lung's bigger than the next. That wouldn't be good. Well, maybe that's, I mean, you know, I thought that's the new form of doping, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to the medical professional show here I on ESPN Las I Vegas. I didn't juice. I have one lung bigger than the other one. <laughs> Man, you know, that's a great question. Jeff Tetford will be the next coach at Fresno State. Again, Kalen DeBoer left Fresno State for Washington. Tedford coached Fresno State from 2017 to 2019. He went to two Mountain West title games in his first two seasons, one one of them. He ended up resigning after 2019, uh, citing health reasons. But now he's back. He was just hanging he's out. He's a good waiting. coach when yeah. he's at Fresno State. Waiting for Fresno yeah. State to come open again. Yeah. And now he's back in Fresno State. Let's do it. I think it's a good hire. Fresno, he knows the Mountain West. He'll know most of the teams in it. Um, I don't know how he's going to recruit. I have no idea how he's going to be, uh, how his staff is going to be, uh, how many of those guys he can keep. Or um, DeBoer's taking a lot to uh, Washington. But he was a really good coach in that league. So. They could have done worse. I oh, know he's absolutely. been. I know he's been out of it for a few years, but I remember him. He coached Cal. 
Yeah. Coached Fresno State. I mean, he was a good coach. He, so, he went to two yeah. Mountain West title games yeah. with Fresno State like four years ago. It's not even like it was that long ago. So I... And again, he resigns because of citing health issues, assuming right. I assume he's healthy. That's why he's taking the job back, whatever the problem was that caused him to step away. I, if you're Fresno State, it's, it's a great hire. You're sitting around saying, all right, good job. It's weird. First, yeah, I think he's been introduced, and then he said, hashtag us, not you. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> he's, already, he's already starting with uh, some uh, motivational speak. Great question. That's Thank awesome. you. Tony Sanchez will be the new wide receivers coach at New Mexico State. They hired Jerry Kill to be their new head coach. Uh, Tony Sanchez played at the New wide Mexico receiver State. there. Yes. Yeah, go coach the wide receivers there. Yeah. He's uh, Tony Sanchez. How was he a wide receiver? Kind of short. You know what? We were at Knights practice yesterday, and one of our esteemed colleagues said that he goes, "Hmm, I would have thought more DB." <laughs> you know, I mean, he's older I mean, he's, now, he's so he's not in the really you know, short arms. As as happens, you're not in the shape as you were as a young kid. So, but when you look at, I mean, I don't think he shrunk. So, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, he's. I just thought more if you look at him, you thought, uh, and it would it be twenty something years ago, whatever. You know, you're in a lot better shape. I thought he would have been more DB type of uh, player. But two, two seasons. Hey, Hunter Renfro is not that big. Yeah, two seasons. He had 54 catches for 741 All yards right. and five touchdowns. There you go. Wow. At New Mexico State. Yeah. yeah. New Mexico State <laughs> in two years. So Tony Sanchez. Good he for was him. he was with TCU as a like just what was he offensive? He's an offensive analyst assistant. Yeah. Wasn't technically a. No. Oh, does he have a does he have a kid that's going to TCU? Uh, no, he did not. He could have one going to New Mexico State. Well, I thought that's why you hire people as analysts. Is if you... No, that's basketball. That's oh, basketball. Okay. Football, that's basketball. you actually hire. Yes. Football, you hire analysts because you can only have so many coaches, and you're right. like, well, we got enough money it's to way hire to put, like it's five TCU more guys. It's TCU to Power 5, so they got they just right. like start adding people in pain. Right. So, yeah, Tony Sanchez back with New Mexico this State. This is a full-time assistant. As a wide receivers coach, yes. Coming up next... We'll jump into the Raiders while Ed leaves us. Yeah, he's a competitor. You know, Baker's our guy. He always gives it, you know, 100% each each time he's out there. So, you know, I believe he's going to, you know, come out and be ready and compete too. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Ed is gone. Getting tested so he can cover Raiders practice. Sit around the facility for like eight hours and finally get to talk to Rich Passaccia. Hopefully At, Sutton Smith too. I if he if he does not ask a Sutton Smith question, I'm going to be very disappointed. We uh, we often do a lot of like jokes, a lot of things that aren't serious, a lot of suggestions. That doesn't that aren't sound serious. like us at all. Um, you and your Velcro on the hockey gloves—they don't lose their sticks. Well, remember, it was a bungee cord was my original idea. Oh so what you're saying is you upgraded, you improved on your terrible no, idea? No, the terrible idea was the bungee cord. And then I was, well, all right, well, what's more practical? But I think I'm serious when I say Sutton Smith should probably get a look at defensive end. <laughs> like, I think I'm serious when I say that. Like, clearly, Max Crosby's been really good this year. And Yannick Ngakwe, he's he's fallen off. He's not getting very many quarterback pressures the last, like, four weeks of the season. But, like, yeah, sure, Yannick Ngakwe is still better than Sutton Smith. Is Cleveland Furrow really better than Sutton Smith at defensive end? Are we confident? How, how confident should we be in that? Because I'm not, right? <laughs> and, like, maybe Carl Nassib is. Oh, yeah. But, but he's he, hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. And that leaves, like, Malcolm Kuntz finally played a defensive snap. And he got a sack, by the way. 
He only, I think he played seven defensive snaps was the number, and he got a sack. So maybe Malcolm Koontz is also really good. But, like, you're telling me that Sutton Smith, full, and again, for those of you that missed the show yesterday, Sutton Smith is the Raiders' fullback because Alec Ingle tore his ACL. They signed Sutton Smith to a two-year deal. And yesterday I started the show wondering why the hell they gave a fullback a two-year deal when everyone in the front office might be gone next year. But then we discovered he was the two-time defensive player of the year in the MAC at Northern Illinois, and that that's the same conference Max Crosby played in. They played at the exact same time in college, and he was better than Max Crosby. Obviously, he was defensive player of the year, also had more sacks, more tackles for loss. Led the nation. Yes, and one season led the nation in both sacks and tackles for loss. Like, the dude was legitimately a good defensive end in college. And he's now playing fullback for the Raiders. And you're like, all right, why? Because he's only six feet tall. Like, what happened here? Wait, does he not have the right bend to get around? I don't know. But that's Sutton Smith should be a defensive end. I know that you've now made that joke a couple times. Bend is a real thing. I know it is. But I'm saying, like, when you talk about why is this guy who had more sacks than Max Crosby playing fullback while Max Crosby's the best edge rusher the Raiders have, why was he slow? I don't know. How did he get more sacks in college if he didn't have a good enough bend? Well, we all know about Northern Illinois' scheme. <laughs> He's a product <laughs> of the system. He's a scheme defensive end. All right. Something on the Raiders looking into the future that I find interesting. And we've talked a lot about who's going to be here next year. Yeah, are they going to completely clean house? Do they basically try to say, hey, this team is close to making the playoffs. Let's just sort of try to add on and keep going from where they are. Do they completely blow everything up? If they do move on from Derek Carr, right? That's a big part of the, hey, are you blowing it up? Or are you sort of going forward in 2022, just trying to get a little bit better and make the playoffs? If they get rid of Derek Carr in this offseason and go into 2022 with a new quarterback, I'm interested to see what type of quarterback they bring in because you can go a lot of different ways. If you get rid of Carr, right, you can obviously go rookie quarterback. You can draft somebody. You can trade up in the first round. You can take whoever falls to you, whatever. You can go rookie quarterback by drafting one. You could go and get sort of a stopgap veteran type guy. Chase right? Daniel. Well, he's more of a stopgap backup quarterback, right? I don't know. He's been signed several times as well. Chase is our starter. Well, and he got beat out in camp. But, like, Marcus Mariota could be that guy. Mariota could be yeah. the, hey, we're going to try this guy out. But, like, you think of, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's eventually going to play on every team Hell, in the NFL. Ryan Tannehill. Right. Well, they worked he got out. a contract. But, yes, that's the type of deal you could potentially make is bring in somebody like that when the Titans brought in Ryan Tannehill. Or do you chase the big name? Because presumably Aaron Rodgers could be available this offseason. Russell Wilson could be available this offseason. Deshaun Watson could be available this offseason. Maybe. We'll see. But, like, presumably... Deshaun Watson could be in jail. That, that could happen, too. Presumably, there's going to be game-changing quarterbacks that are available this offseason that you have to trade for. Do they chase that one down? Now, a lot of this goes back to what's the plan, right? If there's a new general manager and a new head coach, are they trying to compete with the roster as is? Just make some slight changes. If that's the case, A, you're probably keeping Carr. But if you are moving on, then it might be to chase a big name and say, hey, look at that. We got Aaron Rodgers. We we can make the playoffs now, right? But if the plan is to blow everything up, then you're looking at one of the other two options, a rookie quarterback or a stopgap quarterback. 
And I, I think if they do blow it up, here's my thought. I would only take a rookie quarterback next year under one scenario. You're convinced that guy is a star. Like you're convinced Matt Corral or whoever is a Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady level star. If you're convinced that guy is, you go take him no matter what. But otherwise, I think you wait on your quarterback because based on based on their drafting ability, I, I kind of hope they don't <laughs> think the guy's a star because they're good at they're good in the fourth and the third the guy round. They take in the fourth round will be starting for him next year. But the the value. OK, so why I would wait on a rookie quarterback if I blew it up is because of the value of the quarterback on his rookie contract. That is, if you have average to good play out of a quarterback on a rookie contract, it's the most valuable thing you can have in the NFL. But the problem is if the Raiders blow it up, the roster is not good enough. It's not good enough right now. And if you blow it up, it certainly won't be good enough. But the roster won't be good enough to compete. And you want that rookie quarterback or that quarterback on a rookie contract when your roster's ready to compete. So like if I, if the Raiders do in fact go to a rebuild this offseason, I would wait on the quarterback. I would be like, all right, we're making sure we have a good defense. We're making sure we have a good offensive line. We're making sure we have good skill position guys. And then you go take the rookie quarterback, right? And you pay all those other positions. You pay to have a good defense. You pay to have good receivers. You pay to have a good offensive line. And you save money on the quarterback. And he comes in. And in that scenario, rookie quarterback comes in. If he's just an average NFL quarterback, you're probably a playoff team if you built your roster right. Probably not winning anything, but you're probably a playoff team if you built your roster right. If he comes in and he's a good quarterback, you might be winning the division. You've got a chance to win the division. You've got a chance to play a couple of rounds in the playoffs. Obviously, if he comes in and he's a star right away, you're winning the Super Bowl, or you're a contender at least for it. But that would be my thoughts to a rebuild, is build the rest of the roster and then go take the rookie quarterback because you want him. you want those four or five years of him getting paid nothing to be when the rest of the roster is good. Not, hey, we've got the quarterback, everybody else sucks, and we're going to completely waste these four to five years. So you're saying don't go with the Jags plan. Go right. with the what the Seattle Seahawks did, where they're like, hey, we have one of those dominant defenses in the entire world. Right. Effectively what the Patriots did, right? Yeah. Once they got everybody back that opted out from COVID, their defense was, it's back to being incredible. They got a rookie quarterback. Mac Jones doesn't have to be good. For the Patriots to make the playoffs. Mac now, Jones I, uh, just, he doesn't have to pass it sometimes. What's really bad is I thought you meant the Tom Brady plan that the Patriots did. <laughs> that too. That also worked. But well, the, yeah, that's that was a, more injury spurred than anything else. But the Mac Jones one is very much a, hey, the defense is very good. They don't actually have great skill position guys, but the defense is very good. And, and as long he as, throws pillows. As long as Mac Jones is average, the Patriots are, are probably winning the AFC East. He doesn't even need to be average. Just complete two passes right. a game. And here's the thing, if Mac and Jones give me zero fantasy point. If Mac Jones is awesome, like if Mac Jones in the playoffs has like two games where the guy's like, wow, that looks like the best quarterback in the league, the Patriots they can win the Super Bowl that way, right? That's what they could get out of this. That to me is the type of roster you want to build. Now, maybe don't spend like 30 million on tight ends like they did this offseason. I still can't get over the Patriots. We're like, yeah, give us Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. We're both we're giving them both like 15 million. Ridiculous. But Build up the rest of the roster. And well, then you got a rookie quarterback. quarterback. You got to give him somebody to throw a pillow to. <laughs> All right, real quick. I know we're up against it, but let's flip it on its head. The Raiders move on from Carr. Where does Carr go? Oh, somewhere, and he wins a Super Bowl. Well, or he makes the playoffs. Well, but I'm, I'm Pittsburgh. I'm, 
is that is that your front runner? Because I'm know. sitting there. I don't have I'm, a front runner, but the, I'm trying to the think. The Packers, if Aaron Rodgers is gone, the Packers, Pittsburgh, and you know, obviously the Raiders because they moved on from Carr. I'm trying to think of like what teams actually aren't like in the middle of. We have a rookie quarterback. We need to yeah. develop. I mean, it, Derek Carr going to a team that has a solid defense, like a decent roster around him. You can you you can make the playoffs. Like the thing that the Raiders have failed Carr for eight years is they have put an absolutely garbage roster around him the entire time. Carr's good enough to win with. He's not good enough to be the reason you win, but he's good enough to win with. And they have failed every single year at putting a competent roster around him. I I don't disagree with that. I'm just more like I don't think there's as this is this to me is the first off season in a long time where I don't think there's as many quarterback needy teams as. Oh, well, there's there's plenty of teams that will take Carr, but, like, if he goes to the Texans, what are they doing? It's going to be worse than he is right now. I'm just saying if you're Carr, you go to Pittsburgh. Like, Pittsburgh would be, a if Roethlisberger actually leaves, would actually be a lot of fun. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Maybe. Joining us now is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, are we getting more Cheez-It songs this year? Yeah, so no Cheez-It songs this year. I was a little disappointed in their decision to instead, like, there's still plenty of Cheez-It action happening, but uh, we did a whole green screen virtual reality thing for them instead for the Cheez-It Hall of Fame. Uh, So we're we're going Cheez-It Hall of Fame this year, but every time I hear that, I always think about, like, I don't know, what got a more surprised look like, cause we recorded so much of that in my living room, watching Michael <laughs> Jr. For the first time ever rap in my living room and figuring out that like, he actually has bars. Like he knew what, knew what he was doing. So I was sitting there like stunned at him. And then he's watching me do the, like uh, the, then I, I went in after he did. And I was like, all right, let me get these high notes. And like, just watching him watch me, you know, decide that I was going to go up for those, those beefy high notes was like, I don't know. We gained a lot of mutual respect for each other in a very weird way in my living room that night. Who is in the Cheez-It Hall of Fame? <laughs> well, so what we did this year was a Cheez-It campaign uh, for show us why you deserve to be in the Hall of Cheese. And, you know, the greatest of the greatest are going to end up at the Cheez-It Bowl and uh, honored at halftime of Hall of Cheese. So fans have been sending us their cheesiest uh, fandom over the course of the last uh, several months. So I'm not going to lie and say that I have a vote in it, but I will tell you that Mike Olick Jr., myself, and Christine Williams, and we do ranking reaction together, we spent several days in a virtual reality built uh, cheese hall of cheese looking at trophies and large amounts of, of cheese fountains. There's also a large cheese trophy on set, on set every week for that show, and it is yet undetermined who gets to keep that thing. I'm, I'm really thinking of coming in trying to swipe it at night. Look at my house. Okay, hold on. Would this qualify as a potential cheese cheese at Hall of Famer? We have somebody in town, Mike Gramala, who covers UNLV basketball and comes on this show who he eats like a 12-year-old boy. But he one time told us that for lunch one day, he had half of a box of Cheez-Its and then for dinner had the other half. I mean, that's, yes, and by the way, that does count. <laughs> and, like, this is a, a true story. When we first started Rankings Reaction, we didn't have a sponsor. And then 
uh, the first year we did it, we did it on Michael Jr.'s couch. We were just sitting in his house, and they were filming it with two iPhones. And, like, it was the first ever virtual, like, live stream show uh, in ESPN history. So uh, first, first time ever, I was wearing an inflatable, like, Halloween costume because it was the week of Halloween uh, that, that had a massive, like, horse on it. So I looked like a cowboy, and I had to keep pushing the horse down to talk to Mike. Like, it was a disaster. But we had no sponsor. And then, you know, Cheese it watched it and said, well, let's sponsor it a little bit. And so they put all these sponsors, all these boxes that cheese it on set. And Mike and I just went nuts. We started eating. Like, the challenge was how many cheeses could we eat? And that's where this whole thing came from. Like, it was a very genuine cheese. It looked at it after a year and said, my God, if they love cheeses this much, we should make them like cheese and commercial stars. And that's, that's what it happened. Now, I will tell you, though, if we're going to talk commercial, like, randomness, I don't think anything's weirder than this year where I'm in – for less than a second, I'm in a Dodge uh, a Ram Trucks commercial with Gary Streisky, who's a Snapchat host. And it's really, I mean, it's all Marty Smith's commercial. And he's going through Dodge, and he's talking about all the things that are in this Ram truck, right? And so he's like, Ram trucks have this and this and this and this. And, and he's talking about all the things they come prepared with. He's like, they even have a Gary Streisky and a J.C. Fitz. And you just see me walk out of the truck for less than a second. That's it. That's my, that's my shining name of, of, of Ram Trucks. I did not get a free truck. But I, uh, I walk out of a Ram truck for less than a second. All right. What is the conversation to get you to be in a commercial for less than one second? Um, that, you know what? It's very, very simple. They, uh, they, they say, hey, we're going to have you and Gary host this show, and it's going to be presented by Ram Trucks. We need you to fly to Atlanta where they filmed the Avengers. And I was like, oh, my God, these things, this is going to be awesome, right? Like, we're going to put you in a commercial. And we're like, this is incredible. And then you walk in. And, like, the night before, they send you the script, and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then I read the script, and I saw that it was three pages of lines from Marty, and, like, <laughs> Gary and I didn't even have our names in it. So I sent an email to the whole team and said, I will be prepared with my lines. Thank you very much. And then you sit around all day at craft services, which is a fancy way of saying catering, and so they finally say, you're on. But this is – the funny thing is that this, as cheesy as this sounds, the director kept coming up afterwards, and he's like, all right, this time we're going to take it, and I want you to start with this look of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm in a spot. I didn't expect it to be this nice. Now, this time, walk out of the truck with the, wow, this stadium looks awesome look. Like, he was giving us very specific looks, and I'm not sure I nailed any of them. Oh, all right. Um, how many instruments can you play Autumn Wind on? If you gave me a week, probably uh, half a dozen. Um, uh, I mean, I always say this. I'm a violinist slash fiddle player uh, that became a multi-instrumentalist because that's how you pay your bills. So, like, I can play the piano, I can play the viola, I can play the dobro, I can play the acoustic, um, you know, I, I, I can play a little bit of cello. Uh, th- those are all things I can play. But I play the violin. Like, if, if I was ranking my instrument proficiency, it's violin is, like, in this case, is the college football player. That's your top four. Violin is all four of those at once. And then piano is, like, coming in in the, the low 20s, trying to make a case for why they belong in a decent bowl game. Dobro is like Vandy, like every once in a while you win enough games to be bowl eligible, eligible. the rest of the time you're not. Like that's where I am on the Dobro. Uh, the cello is a little bit more like UNLV football. I keep promising myself it's going to turn around, and it doesn't really happen, but every once in a while you blink and I do it right. So that's sort of like my proficiency. Like acoustic, I'll give myself like a solid, you know, uh, I'm, I'm uh, Syracuse. Like I'm expected to most years make a bowl game, but I'm not going to make any noise doing it. What, what's a Dobro? A dobro looks like um, it looks like an acoustic guitar, but instead of playing it where it faces the crowd, for example, it actually faces up. So like, and then you play it with a, a bar and a pick. 
It's so it's lo- a little like a steel guitar meets an acoustic guitar. I was going to say, it looks like a steel guitar. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's a steel guitar meets an acoustic guitar, basically. So, uh, But here's your trick that everybody should know while I out the way the, the music business works in Nashville. Everybody hears banjo on songs, and 99% of the time, thanks to Keith Urban figuring this out, it's not a banjo. It's what they call a ganjo. Uh, it's, a, it's an acoustic guitar. Uh, it's tuned the same as an acoustic guitar. It just sounds like a banjo. So you hear all these people playing the banjo, but they're not actually, because the banjo's tuned totally different than any other instrument and really, really stinking difficult to play. So the reason most country acts can just pick up a banjo is they're not actually playing a banjo. They're playing what's essentially an acoustic guitar that's been built to sound like a banjo. All right. I do have to yell at you for something because you uh, you came on this show uh, for the last few weeks telling us that, you know, maybe we don't need college football playoff expansion because the conversation around who the top four are is so great. And, you know, it's not as much fun if you're talking about 12 versus 13. Jason, we went into the selection show on Sunday and we knew who the four teams were. There was absolutely no intrigue as to who the top four teams were. It was done before the selection show started. I'm going to say two words that every married person listening has said more times in their life than they're comfortable with. You're right. Like, I'm wrong. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Like, we, we walked in on, uh, you know, uh, before the show on Sunday, as we were getting ready for the rankings to come out, I walked in and I said, at least stir it up, put Michigan at number one. And Mike Oler Jr. said, you know, the funny thing is we could put Michigan at number one and everybody would be like, okay, cool with that. We could put Bam at number one and everybody would be like, okay, cool with that. Like, I, I just, you're right. All the suspense was gone from this thing. And I blame Oklahoma State. Like, the, all, <laughs> and I feel terrible for the kid. Like, we were watching in the conference room on Saturday at ESPN. And when he got the corner, it looked like when he came around the edge, we're like, that's, that's it. He's going to score. That's the game. And the fact that he didn't, the first thing I said is, well, he just showed every NFL team he doesn't have next league speed. I mean, that's like, it looked like he had it, and it just, it it was gone. Great play by the safety from Baylor to step up. But Oklahoma State really, you know, ruined all chances that we had at chaos. And, you know, if the best argument we're making is that Notre Dame should have been in, which none of us are really making, my, my, the one takeaway from all of this top four is that if Notre Dame had been in the ACC this year, they would have had an ACC championship game against like a Wake Forest that would have given them a real opportunity to get the extra win to make it a more interesting conversation. But Notre Dame's still not going to do that. Uh, we do this every week. It seems like your emotions swing pretty heavily one way or the other. How are you feeling about the Raiders right now? <laughs> you know, it's been, I'm trying. You know, I, one winning season in 16 years. And I, I'm okay with that. Like, I've, I've lived through that. You know, And, and you're talking to somebody. Uh, let's just rewind the time machine. I remember uh, sitting in the living room as a little kid, and I was watching the AFC Championship game against Buffalo. And I don't remember. I think it was 41-3 to at the half. It was something like that. It was, it was bad at the half. 51-3 to was the final. I remember that. But it was bad at the half. And I remember looking at my dad and saying, hey, if Buffalo scored that many points on us in the first half, we can score that many points on them in the second half. Like, I'm the <laughs> eternal optimist when it comes to the Raiders. I have never in my life, ever, in my entire – I'm 44 – been watching the Raiders since I was roughly six years old. I have never seen a team that one week looks so competent on offense and the next week looks as bad as the Jamarcus Russell era. Like, I have never seen a team that's capable of scoring on anybody one week and then incapable of getting first downs the next. And I, I wish I could tell everybody why it is. Like, you know, I've, I've talked to every analytics person, every smart person. I've talked to former offensive linemen. I, I mean, I'm asking everybody – why is this offense so up and down? And nobody can find a real 
tangible answer. This it, It's never as simple as one person loses football games for him. So I'm not putting everything at the feet or on the shoulders of Derek Carr one way or the other. I, I just I keep looking at this offense and saying it's impossible for a team to look good, that good against the, the Cowboys, and then that trash against Washington. I have no idea what to expect. Like, I'm fully expecting the Chiefs to beat them by 40, but I also thought that they were going to rail the Chiefs last month. So what the hell do I know at this point? Like, I, 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 there are two things that everybody asks. Like, are the Raiders a playoff team and are the Raiders good? They're very different answers. The Raiders are not a good football team. Let's just say that. Right, right now, they're not a good football team. The sad thing is they have five games left, and all five of those games are against current teams that are in the picture for the AFC playoffs. They could make the playoffs. That doesn't mean that they're a good football team. So, like, you know, I have no idea what to expect. If they get to the playoffs, it's because they earned their way there. But I'm fully expecting to go on a five-game slide that will then get us better draft choices. Like, I don't know what's going on anymore. Uh, 31-10 win over Kansas City, followed by two 21-point losses to Cleveland and Denver. No, you know, my liver can't handle that. Like, I just, uh, there's, there's no way my liver can handle that. Like, I, I, at least give us, like, give us consistency. That's all I ask, guys. Like, if you're going to suck, suck every week. And if you're going to be great, be great every week. But this up and down, God, it's awful. He is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. <laughs> so there's Jason Fitz. We got to get Grimala into this Cheese It Hall of Fame. I feel like Cheese It's for lunch and dinner is, is absolutely worthy of a nomination. I still, that's still something that I think about sometimes. Like, I'll just be wandering through, like, a Target and see Cheez-Its, and I go, one time my Cremola went, that's, this is my meal for the day. This is it. This is what I need. All right. We've got a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Game coming up next Sunday. 702-364-1100. If you're going to want to go watch the Golden Knights take on the Minnesota Wild, 702-364-1100. Caller number seven. Okay. I think criticism comes with the job. You know, Frank is a strong-minded guy. He has a great coaching staff. And uh, and we as his players have to do a better job of going out and producing on the floor. We're, we're a team and an organization that, uh, you know, that don't mind some adversity that don't mind people, you know, saying things about us, obviously, because it comes with the territory. Is it fair to, to put any blame on you? Uh, it's not up to me. So uh, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Really just focused on the job. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, hey, the Lakers won last night. Everything's fine. Sure. What are, you, what are you worried about over there? LeBron went for 30. Russell Westbrook had a good game. I've, I've got... I, they I, won. I, I was, we've got some fun comments in 945 uh, that we'll, we, we can get more into. Uh, we can get more into the Lakers. They leapt into the sixth seed. They're not in the play-in rounds right now. If it started today, everything's fine. I can't remember who was saying it, but that someone was saying that Anthony Davis is an old like 29 or something. Wait, is the is what you have at 945 Charles Barkley? Yes. Okay, all right. Then I won't comment on Charles Barkley yet. We'll wait till then to comment on Charles uh, Barkley. Do you want to do what's in the actual rundown? Yeah, maybe. Congratulations to Bill. Uh Bill won tickets to go see the Golden Knights take on the Wild uh on Sunday. We have coming up next hour the Press Box Holiday Hookup where we are giving away tickets to Disney on Ice plus 
you'll have a chance to win a 55-inch 4K smart TV. So that's the PressBox holiday hookup coming up next hour. And tomorrow we will also have Golden Knights tickets, so make sure that you're listening. Okay, so more Golden Knights tickets throughout the week uh, for Sunday's game against the Minnesota Wild. They play tonight against the Stars, which... Not that the Dallas, it's not as fun as like Edmonton or Calgary or even like Anaheim for that matter, because it's not the divisional battle with the team you've got to run down and catch here. But I am, I'm strangely just kind of like, oh, it's exciting because they're kind of healthy. Like, I feel like we've spent, like, <laughs> I honestly feel like we've spent two months just wasting away anything, any conversation about the Golden Knights for two months other than, oh, wow, they traded for Jack Eichel. How the hell does that work? Like, we've just kind of wasted away. Like everything they've done before was kind of irrelevant. Like when that many important players get hurt, like who cares how you played when Brett Howden was fighting people in the corner? Yeah. Like who, like it's just kind of like, all right, whatever. None of that's relevant. But I, so it's kind of exciting to where it's kind of like, because before if like, if the golden Knights lost a game, it was like, yeah, what do you expect? Everybody's hurt. And if they won a game, it's like, ooh, nice. Robin Leonard was awesome. Now, if they win a game, it's like, here, here they come in the playoff chase. If they lose a game, you're like, what the hell's wrong with them? Like, there's actual expectations back. So it's it's more fun. It's more fun to cover a team that, you know, is healthy and contending than a team that's just... there. When your stated goal is, let's float around 500 for a couple of months, you're like, well, that's boring. I feel like this team, though, does this every year where they're like we're just gonna kind of float around 500 until we you know start winning and then we'll we'll go to the playoffs don't worry now they're fine all right here's i got a i got a hot take for you the las vegas bowl matchup is extremely disappointing we got wisconsin and arizona state I mean, we'll get to see some fun running backs. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know that I should have expected more, I guess, but like Wisconsin's like the fourth or fifth best Big Ten team. Arizona State's the third or fourth best Pac 12 team. Like, it's not like it's a bad bowl game by any means, but we, we got to get in the playoff rotation. We need the playoff I, to expand to 12, and Las Vegas needs to, 12 teams, and Las Vegas needs to be in it. You don't think that was like the first thing that they said whenever Allegiant became the home of the, Las Vegas Bowl. Well, that was the first thing that was said when they wanted, like, from here, but from the college football. Here's the thing with the college football playoff expansion, right? They've talked about adding going to 8 or going to 12 and doing the first round at home sites. No. Which, well, no, as a college football fan, I would love that. I, We've done a lot of neutral site things in, in college football, and they're doing a ton in basketball. Home crowd in college sports is is kind of what makes it is what can sort of make the difference and oh why am I watching this versus the professional leagues but as they far care as, more as far They're as the Las paid. Vegas Bowl goes and having like ooh I want to go see that I want a playoff game here in Vegas and uh, you don't even have to give you don't have to give Vegas the championship game or Here's even the, the semifinal game. yeah right we'll take we'll take the the eight first nine right that'd be perfectly fine with me winner gets to get beat up by Alabama in a week, but we'll take the eight versus nine game. That'd be a ton of fun. I'd love that so much.